0: welcome to curious psalms a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of god's people i'm your host matt and to talk with me about psalm 28 i get to welcome back rachel timms for those who don't know rachel she wears all kinds of hats But to introduce her this time, I thought I'd mention just one of those, which is that she is a board member for the Greenhouse that provides tutoring, mentorship, and meets a whole host of other needs for children in a part of the Gardenland Northgate area in Sacramento. She's been involved there for a number of years, which is, I think, a wonderful way of highlighting her heart to help, serve, and care well and thoughtfully for others. So I'm glad to have her back on the podcast. And to get us going, here's Rachel reading Psalm 28
1: to you lord i call you are my rock do not turn a deaf ear to me for if you remain silent i will be like those who go down to the pit hear my cry for mercy as i call to you for help as i lift my hands toward your most holy place do not drag me away with the wicked with those who do evil who speak cordially with their neighbors but harbor malice in their hearts repay them for their deeds and for their evil work Or pay them for what their hands have done, and bring back on them what they deserve. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, and what His hands have done. He will tear them down, and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for He has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise Him. The Lord is the strength of His people, a fortress of salvation for His Anointed One. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever.
0: Rachel, welcome back to Curious Psalms.
1: Thank you, Matthew.
0: (laughs) Might mark the first time I've been called Matthew on the podcast. I don't know, maybe Q did in an episode. I feel like these are the special kitchen table additions as we do them around literally our kitchen table. But thanks for being willing to do this. I love having conversations with you in general and about the Psalms is an extra bonus. Agreed. Shall we dive right in to our questions? Well, Rachel, I want to hear from you. What stood out to you in reading this Psalm?
1: I think the thing that stood out to me was the change in attitude. Almost like halfway through the Psalm, right? David's lamenting to God about how he feels like he's silent. He's asking him not to keep not engaging with the people who are hurting him, dragging, you know, do not drag me away with the wicked, all these Mm -hmm. things. And then in verse 6, it turns like on a dime. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry. (laughs) And I really want to know what I would give to know, like was there an actual time break between when David wrote verse 5 and when he wrote verse 6? Like, Did he write the first five verses? And then three months later, God avenges you know, David in the way he wants? Yeah. And then he comes back and starts writing verse 6 and finishes out the psalm? Or did he just like have a different change of heart and want to start praising God in the midst of his pain? And one will never know, but that made me curious.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point. It's a very different way to read verse 6 through 9 if you read it as his request has been satisfied, his request has been met. Right. Versus 6 through 9 is him continuing to reflect and speak in light of the situation. Yeah. I kind of like the ambiguity almost of the psalm. It's like, I mean, some of it is it just helps you ponder that difference, right?
1: Right. And should your response be different depending on where you're at in that process?
0: Say a little bit more about that.
1: Like, it does make you wonder, does it have to be only a response of praise if the request was satisfied or can it be in the middle and what does that look like for us trying to work those things out
0: yeah that's like skipping to our third question already (laughs) i like it yeah that's totally true how does this psalm and what's going on or not going on one of the honestly i find it sometimes kind of frustrating that we don't know yeah. The behind the scenes of the Psalms. It's really interesting reading Psalm commentaries occasionally. There's a few Psalms that have titles that explain, and especially the ones that are attributed to David. Uh, occasionally, there's maybe some extra clues that scholars mm. try to point and say, well, maybe this. But a lot of the Bible has pretty extensive background context of, you know, here's what was happening, and here's the story behind the story. I think for people who like puzzles or like unraveling things, Mm -hmm. that can be really enticing, honestly, Mm -hmm. to get to know what's going on. And the Psalms defy that. It's pretty rare that we know the story behind the Psalms and the outcome that is being reflected on and the original situation, which I think can either be really frustrating or really empowering, actually, in how we can read them and engage with them. And the poetic freedom or the imaginative spaces that they create for us to explore a relationship with god but
1: yeah, yeah david is almost always vague in his <laughs> psalm writing you know like he had multiple very specific enemies that he dealt with and it's rare in the psalms at least that he names them by name yeah and that is not true of the whole rest of the old testament there are specific yeah. nations enemies named but the psalms do feel very accessible in their vagueness, And if it's a little frustrating.
0: They're both vague and highly specific at the same time, right? In verse 3, it's those who do evil. Well, he then explains what the particular evil is. It's not just those who do evil. It's who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. It's a very specific actual thing that these people are doing.
1: But it's something I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about. I definitely have or know people who speak cordially with their neighbors and then harbor malice where it's not like the Assyrians marched on me and I want them (laughs) crushed it's like well I can't really relate to that
0: (laughs) yeah yeah sure no there is something about the their deep accessibility My, my one thing that just stood out to me was actually all the way in verse one where he says to you lord I call you are my rock do not turn a deaf ear to me and then he says for if you remain silent I will be like those who go down to the pit he is definitely waiting for God's action, but he's also primarily waiting for God's word to say. If you remain silent is just so interesting. Mm-hmm. I would have instinctively thought he would say, "For if you remain inactive, or if you don't do anything." And in fact, I mean, he clearly is calling for God to do things that goes on in the Psalm. But for his first thing, to say, "If you remain silent," and I think you now I was just reflecting on maybe this also kind of moves us towards a third question, <laughs> but. Is my first instinct to watch and wait for God to be active or to watch and listen for the word of God to kind of do its work and to impact, like for his responding to me. And I'm probably more willing to say, well, you know, if I just keep going and going and going, then I'll probably see what God is doing along the way. But listening really requires a kind of quieting and a slowing down. And so that just, I think, stood out to me in some other conversations I've been having with some staff folks at church we've been talking about and reflecting on silence and the need to have that kind of space. And so I found that particularly provocative, I thought.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Shall we move on to our second question? What do we learn about God from this psalm?
1: Yeah, I I knew this question was coming, so I was trying to think <laughs> through that when I was reading this. And in some ways, I want to say like, not a lot. You hear what David thinks about God, like i feel like david's bringing some of his presumptions of what god is going to do or should do maybe that's a little cynical i don't know but i do think it's an interesting like he's not actually really talking a ton about god's character and i mean not that god necessarily has a direct voice in any of the psalms but this one in particular just felt like david was kind of had a lot of expectations of how he thought God was going to handle the situation.
0: That is such an interesting kind of framing in response to this psalm. There's some resonance, it feels like to me, with my conversation with Maddie about Psalm 26, and almost like the confidence of David at times. Like, I especially look at verse verse 5, with what you're saying, because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done. He will tear them down and never build them up again. There is a weird, like, David almost seems to be speaking for God.
1: Yeah, it relates, what I was trying to say relates somewhat to, like, the confidence that David says some of these things. Like, I think I am jealous of his assuredness of how God is going to respond. That's a really hard thing for me to relate to. Mm. Like, I almost never know how God's going to respond like we hold this tension I think as Christians yeah like we hope for things that God will do but we almost never want to say with full confidence because then if it doesn't happen then we have to ask ourselves serious questions about who God is Mm. and so I think there's yeah it's hard for me to read something where David is just so sure of how God's going to respond
0: yeah, I hear what you're saying. And to then and then to make that declarative about God, in terms of this question, right? This question asks, what do we learn about God? So then to make David's confidence declarative of who God is can feel like it overprivileges David in some sense. Like, who is David? <laughs> who is anyone to declare what God's saying? Is that kind of a little bit of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like, I just don't feel like I, I know, <laughs> like, enough to define God's character or say how he'll respond. I mean, and yeah, so the declarative nature, which David says it, I think is just a little shocking. Yeah. And I mean, so much of, I think, especially like modern day Christianity or my experiences in the church have focused a lot on the gospels in which it's a very different focus than a God who is dragging away the wicked and you know we're paying people for what they've done like it starts to shift the narrative a little bit
0: yeah when you start talking about the gospels it maybe shifts the well, i mean one thing that jesus does in particular is he shifts the the people it becomes in some sense the religious leaders who are most likely to receive that judgment right, right?
1: yeah so i guess that's a good point god still does act in those ways but right. it's not necessarily directed to the people that we would think
0: yeah like I said, I find it, and this is, I think, one of the things that we continue to wrestle with in the Psalms is when you take a step back, the sort of spending the time in the Psalm and what we learn literally from the words of the Psalm. And then there's the zooming out, the next level. And one of the things I always find interesting is the things that God allows to be prayed about himself in the Psalms. In other words, coming from a faith perspective where there's inspiration mm-hmm. like behind these words, the fact that like Psalm 28 like these words of David get get left in. It's sort of like, I don't know, sometimes it's like God maybe didn't hire a good enough censor or editor or sometimes, you know? It's like, wow, well, yeah, you're really going to let a, a person talk about you with that kind of confidence? Because I, yeah, I really resonate with what you're saying. There's something shocking, and I appreciate the way you're kind of highlighting that because I think it can be easy to gloss over, like, oh, well, David knew God really well.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's tricky. It, I totally believe that. There is a reason God wanted this in here. And I do think it does speak to his character. But it is just interesting that God even gives David such a voice in describing who he is.
0: Yeah. I mean, in some sense, it's interesting that he gives anyone right. a huh? voice, right, in describing him. I mean, I think, like, one step further is kind of what I was reflecting on, too. Like, it's remarkable that he lets us describe him period. I thought this psalm was like some of the greatest hits of imagery for God. We have God as rock in verse one, strength and shield in verse seven, fortress in verse eight, and then shepherd in verse nine. My guess is if you ask people to start naming images for God in the psalms, that would be on a top, maybe the top five list. those ones, you know? And so I was just struck by this imagery It feels really ubiquitous to the Psalms, and I mean, I think again, one of the interesting things about the Psalm is God allows himself to be talked about by people. I mean, that's really one of the interesting things about the Bible, I think one of the mysteries of it, right, is that God allows himself, and even specifically like in this way, he allows himself to be imaged, he allows himself to be described, like he He gifts us a prayer book in some sense in which he is described in these ways as rock and strength and shield and fortress and shepherd. The reality is that we need, I think, images to engage with God and the fact that he allows that to be the case. It's one thing to just say like God is really strong and he protects us or that's been our experience of God. It's another thing, I think, to say this as he is our rock or he is our fortress. All right, let's move to our third and final question that we've maybe already started alluding to. How does this psalm help us to pray?
1: I do think it encourages us to pray with boldness that
0: mm.
1: I at least rarely have in my prayers. I am almost always qualifying something, you know, God, will you do this, but only if this, this, and this like meets your, meets your will, you know? Yeah. And the- I mean, some of that is, I think, good, but some of it, I think, is I me expecting less of God because I'm afraid that He won't show up and I'll be disappointed. Oh wow! And it's a tension to like hold the mystery of God and how He answers prayers and how He moves in the world, and also needing to hope that He is over everything and has sovereign power, and He's gonna at one point have the victory, like the final victory. But it's hard to hold both of those in an actual prayer life.
0: Yeah, your line that you just said, you know, sometimes I don't pray this way because I worry God won't show up. I, I think probably everyone <laughs> resonates with that. I do this a lot, too. I put caveats around my prayer with the pretense that it is protecting God and his will and his sovereign desire. But really what it's protecting is my fragile faith yeah and psalm 28 kind of starts deconstructing that right
1: i mean it's not how david prayed and yeah as you said like god said he was a man after his own heart and was human and had his major flaws but i think there was something god clearly admired in david and his boldness and passion and faith that god could do what he said he was gonna do
0: yeah really my observation was really related to what you're saying i i think we've seen lots of prayers for justice we've seen lots of prayers against enemies it struck me that this prayer particularly in verse four is really a prayer for fairness mm. you know repay them for their deeds and for their evil work repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve this isn't the the psalm 3 break their jaw this is hey for what they've done make that right and I think building on what you were talking about, prayer for confidence is that the Psalms never invite us to pray with resignation. Mm. Like, in other words, verse four sounds kind of weird up against the mantra that we all learn from—you know, I don't know, preschool—that life's not fair, right? Yeah. If life's not fair, why would you ever pray verse four? Because verse four is all about fairness. Repay them according to this. But yeah, I think paired with the confidence that you're talking about, there's also a sense of like we. We do not resign ourselves to the brokenness of our world, which is really hard because it feels like that's, that's what we have to resign ourselves to. Like, I don't, yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm?
0: It's the challenge of when we pray, we are, I don't know how to say this exactly, but it's like we are entering the kingdom. We are part of the kingdom in a fresh way. We and we're trying to bring, bring the world, sort of drag it sometimes into the goodness of what God desires for it but then the friction there's such friction in that dragging and that's that's like mostly even with our own souls right the friction of dragging ourselves but yeah so building on the confidence i think i just say like the the song reminded me we don't pray with resignation
1: like mm, yeah i really like that
0: yeah well thanks i really like your points and i really like you
1: You're not gonna leave that
0: in. Oh, watch me. Watch me now, Rachel.
1: Yeah, I mean these things are not always straightforward and there's many ways to interpret them. Some trickier than others.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we've come to the end of our conversation and we could probably maybe we will keep talking off mic, but I appreciate the wrestling. I really do. I think that's sometimes what these conversations I'd need to be because the psalms aren't always up and to the right they're not always just straightforward they're not always just an easy bomb for the soul sometimes they are yeah they're deep wrestlings in kevin's book 150 actually when he's talking about enemies he actually describes prayer as sometimes being a kind of conflict Mm. and i found that really evocative and i think As we've kind of entered the psalm, we've experienced some of that. There's ways that it conflicts with us and pushes on us, and there's ways that it invites us kind of into a wrestling with God as well. So I appreciate your words. Thanks, Rachel, for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Well, friends, let's end with this verse. It is as David comes out of, or who knows what exactly happened following verse 5, but the words are beautiful nonetheless. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me go out and pray the songs.